Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Purpose-built for securing Active Directory, Semperis delivers first-of-its-kind solutions to address the entire life cycle of a directory attack. Finding and fixing security vulnerabilities, intercepting privilege escalation and persistence, and quickly responding to cyber attacks. Learn more at Simparis.com. Here we are. I'm flying solo on this Redefining Security podcast. This is Sean Martin here uh, from ITSP Magazine. And as you know, on this channel, we like to break down security and help folks operationalize it. So the technology stack, uh, operational processes, uh, the human stack, as I like to joke, Marco always makes fun of me, uh, anything and everything that helps organizations raise the bar of security for their company. And I'm thrilled to have a guest with me today, J.M. Porup, who uh, I, I came across a thread on Twitter that was intriguing and uh, inspiring, and I said, I want to talk about this with Jam. So, Jam, thanks for first putting that thread out there, and second for joining me. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And so, of course, we're going to link to that thread so people, as they're listening, perhaps they can follow along, and then there is your profile on Twitter. Um, before we get into the conversation, though, uh, a few words about what you've been up to. Maybe your your first foray into cybersecurity, and I know you were a CISO and have done many things. Maybe just an overview for folks so they know who, who they're hearing from today. Sure. Well, I've been staring into the cybersecurity abyss since 2002 when I got my first job as a Linux sysadmin in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, my boss was a security nut. He was like, this is our main selling point and we are going to focus on security above all else. And I worked uh, uh, as a sysadmin and developer for about five years. Uh, I did a bunch of other things. Um, uh, some people may know me from my work as a cybersecurity journalist. Uh, I, um, I recently finished my, my master's degree in cybersecurity from UC Berkeley. I got laid off from my job as a journalist because of COVID. And I took a job as a security analyst uh, at the end of last year at a, um, a blockchain startup in Berlin that shall remain nameless. Um, 
And uh, within three months, my boss uh, was on was on leave. Um, him and his partner had a baby, and he said, "Well, you know, I, I I actually believe in my wife and my baby. I'm not working for three months. You're in charge." So um, I found myself after three months in a new company as the acting chief security officer of a multi-billion dollar company during the crypto bull run this spring. Uh, no, no pressure. No pressure whatsoever. whatsoever. No pressure. Um, so, you know, I made lots of mistakes. I mean, I did a lot of things I'm proud of, but I also made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think that's very much true. Um, and, and, and my boss has returned. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the deputy CISO for now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about the experience and the mistakes I made and what I would definitely do differently uh, next time around um, to avoid both the stress, a lot of stress and burnout in the job, and also just to be more effective because you want to be, you know, you want to push security in the organization, right? Yeah, and it's interesting, and I'm, I'm hoping we get into this because I feel this is going to be a more of a personal story. Now, granted, connected to the role of the CISO, but in the thread, there's a lot about burnout and pressure, basically the organization relying on you when maybe perhaps not even treating you as part of the organization, which we may get into that as well. We talk about different departments. Um, so let's get into it. I mean, this thread is 15 posts long. Uh, so far, so, so far. far. And uh, that's great to know that you're going to continue to add to it. <laughs> a living, a living learning lesson. Uh, so the, the opening statement or question is, so what's it like to be a CISO? And uh, you just described in the, in the first post uh, what you described to us audibly here. And, and you kick it off with the fact that the stakes are high and, and this is not a drill and that your decisions have consequences, right? Um, and presumably, and I, I often I often look at the CISO role as uh, binary success. Either you've, you've avoided a breach or you didn't, and therefore you succeeded and failed. And um, with that, from my own perspective, seems like as you put in your in the second tweet here, totes a lot of no, or you say you totes no pressure, uh, jokingly, I presume. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and you know, like I, I would disagree with, with the statement that it's sort of a binary thing. Uh, you know, it's really about risk management. You, you know, I mean, it's it's like saying to your doctor, it's your fault if I get cancer. I mean, your doctor is going to prescribe diet and exercise and healthy living, and you can still get cancer. You can still die of a heart attack, even if you're, you know, living healthy, right? Um, so I, I think, you know, and also, I mean, this is not true of my organization, but as many listeners know, it's quite common. You know, the CISO is the fall guy. You wait for the breach and you throw him or her under the bus. You know, like we've all seen it in the news dozens of times or maybe even in real life. I mean, that, that's, that was not my experience. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, understanding that, you know, great leadership and the best team in the world, you can still get popped. You know, like I, I think it's not realistic for management or employees to view the security team as sort of a binary yes or no kind of situation. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot a little bit. Describe, sure. describe the pressure. 
you feel? I mean, what 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 is it that drives it up, and what what does it feel like? Fair enough. I mean, I, I think that um, um, you know, like many security teams, ours at that particular point in time was understaffed and overwhelmed. Uh, maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there right now. Um, and um, especially when you've only been in a company for three or four months, you you want to perform well. You know, like you've you've just met these people, and and now the buck stops with you. Like there are decisions to be made. Nobody else is going to make them. Your decision is what you're going is what's going to happen. Um, and I think that um, the pressure is knowing that. Um, if you should make the wrong decision, there could be severe financial harm to your employer, um, which is bad for your paycheck and also bad professionally, you know. Um, and I, I think the real challenge then becomes when you're being asked to do 200 hours of work per week, but you only have 40 or 50 that you're willing to give or physically able to give, um, you're prioritizing like crazy and trying because you have to say no or not right now because there simply is no, there's no bandwidth. You have nothing more to physically or mentally to give. Do you, do you find that, that, that it comes from yourself internally, your own desire to do the right thing, or is, is some of it being placed on you? So you, you talk about prioritizing, having to say no. I've managed a gazillion projects in my life where the list just continues to grow, right? It's never mm. ending. So mm. it, it grows. The stuff at the top doesn't magically fall off. Um, so where does the pressure come from? Is it your own? Is it placed on you? Does it just kind of grow around you and, and consumes you from every direction? Well, I think it's both. But I, I think, you know, the big takeaway for me was that um, I can't control other people's demands, but I can try to control how I manage my own stress. I can control how I react. You know, I, I can control um, many more things about me than I was able to successfully do in the moment. Um, I, I think we need to avoid blaming other people for our own failures. Like sometimes other people are responsible for our failures, but in many cases, that's not the case. You know, I mean, um, and it's just really hard because when you are under pressure, you still have to remain cool and calm and collected and take a deep breath and not let it get to you. Um, and that's just part of the job, I think. I mean, yeah. And as the thread continues, we, and you've mentioned decision making here already, mm. um, the, the number of decisions are large, I would imagine, and some of them highly impactful on the business right i think so yeah and and uh, the the distinguishing feature for me uh, of cybersecurity you know watching it over two decades is you know there are so many known unknowns um, and this can create, you know, security nihilism it can, can create anxiety you know you don't know if you've been popped most of the time you don't yeah. uh, among many other known unknowns and and you still have to make a decision to mitigate risk based on insufficient telemetry 
Right. And I, I suspect the maybe over time, some of the unknowns go away because I'm thinking you just started a new role. Mm. So uh, perhaps new technology, new markets, uh, new risk profile, new threats coming at you. I mean, tons of new things that you may have been aware of, but not intimately uh, connected with as you are in this new role. So I remember one of my managers saying, you're going to have a lot of ambiguity in this role when I took a new job. Mm. And she set me up to recognize that. So having that understanding that there will be things that you won't have the telemetry, as you said, to make a full 100% accurate decision. At least understanding that was helpful. How, how did you deal with what I call ambiguity or some of those unknowns that you come across? Yeah, I think ambiguity is a good way to describe it. Um, and I think that's a huge feature specifically of cybersecurity, maybe more so than other fields that are um, maybe more nailed down or more better collectively understood. Um, if I think about, you know, the law, you know, there are legal ambiguities, but they're pretty well understood. You know, like I, I don't feel like, you know, being a lawyer or I don't know what's another good example. Um, you know, civil engineers design for redundancy. They don't design for, you know, ninjas crawling all over the, the uh, structure, placing, you know, dynamite at three in the morning. Uh, you know, um, it's a matter of public record. In February, uh, FBI put out a report saying North Korea is actively hacking cryptocurrency companies. I work for a cryptocurrency company in the security team. You know, like this is this is a live fire exercise. Who do I call? You know, uh, I, I get hacked by King Kim Jong Un. You know, hello, Pyongyang Police Department. I want to file a complaint, like, how is that conversation going to go? You know, like, sovereign nation hacks you, oops, too bad. You know, there is no recourse. There's no fail safe. There's no safety net. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Put me on that bridge <laughs> as, oh the my ninja, God. As, as the ninjas are climbing it. No, but I, I mean, to, to this point, there, there's no, there's always that extreme, right? There are always those ninjas. There are always mm. those nation state potential scenarios mm. and then there's the other head in sand where nothing's going to happen which we know is not reality mm. um, unless you're lucky and it's just then a matter of time so in the middle is is really where things sit so how how do you i don't know did you did you work with others in your like some of your peers in the industry do you do you work with isacs or how, how do you get a sense of what the real risks are that's a great question. Well, I mean, there is no blockchain ISAC to the best of my knowledge. Um, maybe there should be um, because uh, the cryptocurrency space is so new. Um, and, and, you know, our mainnet launch was was Q3 or Q4 last year, Q4 last year. Um, so uh, it's, you know, we have no real regulation. I, I don't have to worry about compliance beyond GDPR. Um, uh, and there is no ISAC. There's no threat intel sharing. I, I'm not getting an IOC feed from anybody. Um, I mean, you know, beyond the usual generic stuff. Um, so, so very novel problem set in a highly novel space. 
uh, compared to say, I mean, healthcare uh, um, infosec is the wild west, but the idea of healthcare is not a new idea. I mean, we've had hospitals for quite some time now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a few days anyway. A few days anyway, a few days. Or, or the, the idea of medicine is thousands of years old. The idea of cryptocurrency is somewhat less. So so in your thread, you also talk about, I mean, you, you can't prevent. There's nothing about, nothing, you don't say this exactly, but there's no such thing as 100% secure. Mm. So you can build the walls as tall as you want. Somebody will always climb over them. Um how do you have that conversation when, when your manager was still in the office and <laughs> before taking a, taking a leave? Uh, how, how did you have that conversation to let them know that we're, we are managing risk? We're not making ourselves unhackable. You know, I, I think my boss understood that and understands that quite well. Um, I think it's the, it's the internal mental um, attitude you have to develop yourself because it, I think it's easy. It, I mean, if you care about your work, if you care about your work, it's easy to fall into a sense of, have I done enough? Did I do enough? Shit. Have I done enough? Fuck. You, you know, it's really easy to think that way. And at the end of the day, it's just a job. And I think you have to remind yourself, like, I've done the best job I can. My job is not perfect. I cannot give my employer perfection, nor for the amount of money are they paying me, do they expect perfection. But I've done a professional job to the best of my professional ability. And if something bad happens, you know what? I mean, I did the best job I could. And, and to be content inside yourself knowing that. Um, of course, if you don't care about your job, it's just so much easier, you know, just take your paycheck and go home, right? Um, so I, I, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't care about your job, but I, I think that, you know, you have to cut yourself some slack, you know, do the best job you can, but also don't beat yourself up over the fact you can't do everything, you can't be everywhere, you can't achieve perfection or even know in advance if the decisions you've made are the right ones or not. And, and in the thread, you, you mentioned other departments. I'm probably bouncing around a little bit here, but sure. the, there's this idea that I've, that I've spoken about on a few episodes that, that cybersecurity, well, the department is seen as a cost center, right? This is probably no surprise to anybody listening. Uh, perhaps you're going to agree or disagree, but I guess the idea is that it doesn't always get a formal seat at the table like mm. like the CFO does or uh, perhaps even the CIO where things that are directly connected to generating revenue or operationalizing something that generates revenue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you have the legal team which kind of is is a known entity designed to protect the revenue. But I don't see security in that same vein. And I don't know if that, that's your experience, not necessarily here, but in general. And if and how do you how do you respond to that if if, if you have thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, certainly I agree with your observation that that is, in fact, the de facto state of security teams in many industries. Um, I think we have to go back to first principles and there are fundamental first principles of cybersecurity. You know, security is a process, not a product. 
I learned that in like the first week, you know, we all know this, but, but what does that mean? Let's unpack that security is a process, not a product. Well, who manages processes? Well, there's the word manage, you know, management is in charge of designing and changing processes and procedures and the way people, human and computer systems work. Now, you know, um, in, uh, software engineers build a product that is not a management issue. You know, write some code, build the thing. Maybe it's a SaaS, maybe it's, you know, whatever, but you're building a product and you're shipping it. But a cybersecurity engineer is not a software engineer. We are not building a product. You know, it's a highly technical field, but designing technical processes. And unless you have management buy-in, you can't manage. I, I mean, you could have the most technical cybersecurity engineer in the world, but if you don't have the buy-in to actually implement those technical cybersecurity changes, then you're 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 accomplishing nothing. Yeah, and I, I suspect getting the buy-in requires some understanding and common language for what you're doing and how it relates to the business and how what the business is doing is introducing risk. That, that changes how you do your job. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't think this specifically applies to my current role, but in general, I, I think the best way, the simplest way to communicate to non-technical management is to say, you, you know, the CISO is kind of like your general counsel. Um, the general counsel defends the company against legal risk but the chief security officer depends the company against actual security risk. I think there is a tendency to conflate the two among older, older members of management who are not particularly technical. Um, you know, as we know, compliance and security are not the same thing. You know, you, you can be fully compliant. Okay. Oh, great. You PCI DSS. Good, good for you. Aren't you adorable? <laughs> You're so secure. Oh, wow. This cute little kid, right? Okay, great. So, so you're, you're compliant. But this doesn't mean you're secure. Um, and, and, and so it's important to, to make management understand that, yes, legal risk can negatively impact financially your business. But security risk can also do that. Ask Maersk. I mean, billion dollar loss from not pet year or whatever. You know, there, there's, there's, you know, business people care about the money. And you know, if if you work for a business, you're there to serve the business and help them make money. That's you know, the the, the business doesn't exist to serve you. You exist to serve the business, right? Um, and, and, and so I, I think you know, you have to make it about the money. You know. There's risk. Businesses carry legal risk and, you know, market risk. Nobody didn't like our product. You know, it was a flop, you know. Uh, but they also carry cybersecurity risk. And that can have serious negative financial consequences for any business, some more than others. And making it clear that, you know, there's a bottom line pain point here that if you don't address, it's going to come back and bite you hard sooner or later. And I'm I'm thinking I'm looking at the next part of the thread here where you talk about security requests seem counterintuitive, and certainly if you're talking to business leadership, the executive leadership team, perhaps even the board, they're going to certainly be focused on income, market share, those types of things. When you when you start to move down the stack into some of the operational roles, HR and finance and 
sort of maybe finance is a good example, but certainly let's look at HR. They're not worried about the bottom line. They're worried about their tasks at hand, which is getting open recs defined, getting them filled, keeping people trained, being compliant with all the stuff they have to be worried about. Mm. And security is not top of mind for them. So I don't know if the, that thread security request seem counterintuitive was around the employee level. Um, yes, very much so, very yeah. much so, um, because it, it is a rare security request that means less work for another employee. Oh, great. I have more work to do. It makes absolutely no sense. And it's a pain in the ass. Great. Thank you for security team. You know, th th this is very much. I mean, no, no. Like, uh, I mean, you know, like, uh, oh, I need a UB key. I got to push the button every time I want to log in every morning. You know, I mean, okay, it costs you 30 seconds. But, you know, but still, it, it's it's an added irritation point that can seem completely counterintuitive and ridiculous to some people. And, you know, they will, people have, people are incentivized to do their job, not your job. You know, and, and, and they're incentivized to, to get those recs field or if they're the sales team to go sell or, or, or if you're a software developer to write the code, anything that slows you down or impacts your performance, you know, you're not being paid, you're not being rewarded for doing security. Right. You're, you're being rewarded for doing your core job. Exactly. So you go on to, to talk about carrots and sticks uh, in, in the thread as a follow on to that. So how, how do you incentivize? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think our approach, which I, I agree with, is that shared understanding is really important. You know, if you come to people and say, you have to do this because I told you so, don't ask questions, just do it. Uh, first of all, you're going to have a low compliance rate, but also you want people to understand enough security so that they're flexible enough to respond themselves in the event of an actual incident. Um, now, not everybody is capable of doing that, but many thoughtful, well-meaning employees certainly are. And I, I, I think, you know, uh, if you're scarce on resources, deputizing, you know, as many of your employees as possible to be your eyes and ears and to have just enough security mindset to be able to respond and do like, first responder, whatever, like something's weird here. I should, I should make a phone call. Like even that, that's a huge win. That's a huge win, right? I, I, I got a phone call and I, I now I know something. I would have found it two weeks from now when it got really bad. Um, so, so shared understanding and really good, you know, uh, a, a personal touch from the security team. So people, you know, feel like they're understood and, and you're, helping them understand the why of these perhaps bizarre security requests. But the flip side is that there's always anywhere between five and 30% of the employees who just don't fucking give a shit. They just don't care. You know, they just don't care. And it's like talking to a wall. And at a, at a certain point you have to be like, just do it. I've tried to explain it to you. I want you to understand. I want your enthusiastic cooperation if there is any human way I can get it from you. But if that's not going to happen, you have to do the thing. Because I told you, because my boss told you, and if not, you're fired. You have to do the thing. And it sucks to have to get that far. 
But at a certain point, like you, you, you have to enforce policies or they're not policies. And so uh, a couple, couple points down, you talk about having your back, somebody having your back. Who, who does that? Leadership team, of course, but is it some of the deputies that also you leverage or what does that look like? I mean, I, I think this goes to, to, to more of the stick part because, you know, you can evangelize internally without anybody having your back, um, you know, to a great extent. Um, but if you need compliance with policies or you need other people to prioritize security requests for very good reasons, you know, again, people are incentivized to do their their job well, not yours. And they're not going to cooperate with security um, or prioritize security unless there's a clear understanding that that is, in fact, a core part of their job, you know. Um, and and you can't get that to happen, again, being a process, not a product. The process has to have security baked in. It can't just be that annoying thing that some guy in a department you never talked to says you have to do this thing, uh, whatever, you know? I mean, there has to be some oomph behind the request. And um, we're getting close to the end here, and we are also getting close to the end of the thread as it stands at the moment. There may be more. <laughs> um, but you, you, you pretty much wrap with the concept of resilience. And mm. as you lead to the end of this, with the resilience uh, finish in the, in the current 15 set, you talk about um, being Zen <laughs> and, and relaxing and how do how do you find that you deal with some of the pressures uh, on a day to day basis? Do you, do you deal with them at work? Do you deal with them when you get home? Um, uh, do you deal with them with on your own with other people? Uh, how do you how do you deal with it? Well, like many of you, I've been working from home for for the last year and a half, so um, there is no going to work or going home. <laughs> it's all one uh, mix. Um, and you know, uh, much of of what I've written is is aspirational rather than successful. Um, merely the realization that I got very close to burnout for all sorts of reasons, many of them mentioned uh, already just now. And I don't want to go through that again. It makes me ineffective in, uh, professionally. It makes me unhappy and tired and depressed personally. And I feel like with appropriate changes, neither of those things should have to happen. Um, and I, 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 would, I would say again what I said earlier about um, having to find that place where you, you do the best job you can knowing you've done your best job and you finish your, 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 your work day, you finish your work week. And... Sure, bad things could happen, but, you know, I, I've been doing this for so long and it's still so hard to really own the uncertainties and the ambiguities and, and to, to, to be comfortable living in that ambiguous space. It's, it, it never gets any easier. Um, maybe others find it differently, but there's always that huge ambiguity and there's there's no other choice but to simply, 
you know, relax into the ambiguity, relax into the un to the known unknowns, and um, do what you can with what you have. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Jam. And I'm going back to the point I made earlier in dealing with ambiguity. <laughs> I, I found that that uh, I have a need to get rid of the ambiguity. Mm. So make make some decision, even if it's decide to not to decide, so I can decide later. Mm. <laughs> so that the head is not full of stuff, and find the things that I can either make a decision on that'll stick, and find that that quick win, that small win, even if it's small, and push through things so that there's some sense of accomplishment. I don't know if you if you have that same. Say model or if you deal with things differently or um you know i find that many of my biggest mistakes have been trying to seek certainty in the face of uncertainty and that has actually made things worse um you know i'm i have no military background but i'm interested in military strategy you know um the infantry takes the high ground you have no idea what the enemy is going to do you have literally zero idea but what do you do? Strategically, you take the high ground because that is a position of strength. Um, and, and I think that might be an extremely poor metaphor for, for, for what I mean. In the face of uncertainty, you have to find, you have to find strategic choices that, that give you a position of strength in the face of that uncertainty. Often, both in my personal life and professionally, when I was uncomfortable with uncertainty and sought to deliberately find clarity that always made things worse um, so I, I think resisting that temptation at least for me is important thanks makes sense listen jam i uh i appreciate you again putting that thread together talking through it with me here i i, I presume folks are nodding their head up and down in violent agreements with some of the things you're saying and and having experienced uh, them alongside you. Uh, and yeah, hopefully this gets folks to think and uh, I would encourage them to all connect with you and perhaps the, the community can, can join together and help help each other become more resilient as a CISO. So Jam, thanks again for, uh, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Purpose-built for securing Active Directory, Semperis delivers first-of-its-kind solutions to address the entire life cycle of a directory attack. Finding and fixing security vulnerabilities, intercepting privilege escalation and persistence, and quickly responding to cyber attacks. Learn more at Semperis.com. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. 
You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG 24.